This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 327. When building your business or leveraging your business to the next level, do you jump right into a marketing plan and begin to spin about what should I do next? Maybe you're missing the four key foundational pillars to start with, and that is what Lee Shay McDonough is talking to us in today's show. Absolutely key. Put these foundations in place and you will be on your way. So join us this week on the Star Coach Show. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you here. When I began my coaching business about 15 years ago, I was really caught up in what to do first and and lots of spinning plates and where do I invest my money and what do I do to let people know what it is that I am doing now. And I would have loved to have had the four pillars that we're going to talk about today in how do I focus my attention so that all those steps that I take are most productive. And that's what we're going to talk today with my guest, Lee Shea McDonough. And I'll tell you more about Lee and more about that in just a minute. I do want to welcome you to the Star Coach Show and let you know that the Star Coach Show is all about strategies, tools, and resources for coaches, whether it's your skill development, your business building, or changing your leadership or an organization through coaching. You are in the right place. I have been working with leaders, and coaches for over 15 years to change the way that they engage and bring their impact into the world. And coaching is just a huge part of that. One of the things that I was excited about when I met Lee was that she and I have a very similar background. We both started as social workers. We both started in the field of therapy. And then we transitioned into coaching. And I wanted to bring Lee to meet all of you because her message of the four pillars is so key in clearing away some of the fog that we can sometimes have, whether we're trying to begin our business or maybe leverage our business up. Lee is the founder of Coach with Clarity, which is a training and education company for life and business coaches. She's also the host of her own podcast, Coach with Clarity and the author of a number one Amazon bestseller, Act on Your Business, Braving the Storms of Entrepreneurship and Creating Success Through Meaning, Mindset, and Mindfulness. Anybody who's a regular listener to the show knows how much I love alliteration. So good on you for meaning, mindset, and mindfulness, Lee. So while Lee was originally a clinical social worker and a healthcare professional, She's leveraged those skills into her career as a credentialed coach. Many of us have moved from one career into another as we uh, become professional coaches. And 
she does a beautiful job sort of exploring that with us. So when we dove into our interview, we thought that the concept of identity might be absolutely sort of the needle moving thing for many of you. And I so enjoyed my time with Lee. I'm certain you're going to as well. So let's dive into my interview with Lee Shay McDonough. Lee, welcome to the Star Coach Show. I am delighted to spend time with you this morning. I guess it's this afternoon. <laughs> I'm really excited to be here no matter what time of day it is. <laughs> Absolutely. We had so many things in alignment that we just absolutely had to jump on the show and and connect with coaches. We're both clinical social workers by training. We've now moved into the field of coaching. We're very power, just very passionate about helping coaches thrive because coaching can bring such an impact to the world. And today we're going to dive into four pillars that you know to be true that coaches really need to think about and have lined up to be able to thrive and to bring their work forward. What is it that really makes you passionate about working with coaches? I think coaches are a rare breed. They are people who see the best, not just in other people, but in every opportunity. They are able to come up with innovative, creative ways of moving forward. And they do so from a place of leading with their heart and their intuition. And those are my people. I just love working with coaches. And I love coaching as a modality for helping people connect to their own truth, to their deeper self, and then to explore how to make that manifest in the real world. So how are we going to live lives that are in full alignment with who we are on the inside? So beautifully said. And with that, when we were talking about what did we want to bring forward together, we really landed on the aspect that the immediate need for new coaches is usually how do I build a business? And yes, Mm -hmm. we want to stay tuned into how am I delivering a great product or how am I partnering powerfully with my clients? And yet, you know, the reality is if we're not creating something that allows us to make an income doing what we love, then We're probably doing something else to make an income. And with the energy that we have left, we're engaging with coaching. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with having coaching as your side gig or as a weekend thing. If you're not in a place or ever going to be in a place where you want to coach full time, I'm just thrilled that you're out there coaching. And yet the reality is for many of you, you're trying to figure out how do I either transition from working full-time as an employee or a leader in an organization into being an entrepreneur, which is not as easy as let me just hang a shingle and it's done. Or even if you're building something on the side as a side gig to bring your passion forward, you want to be able to have some things in place to make that successful. So Lee and I are going to dive into that. And Let's talk about how did you come up with these four pillars that you know to be true that coaches need to think about? Honestly, it was a little through trial and error, both working in my own business and also supporting my clients and my students. 
But what I found and also what I was taught was if you want to have a successful business, you need to market yourself. You need to be really clear about you know, what you have available. You need to make connections with people and then you need to sell. All of that is true. But what I found is that was often the starting point for a lot of coaches. They started by creating a marketing plan. They started by then trying to sell their services. And what I saw was a lot of discomfort, a lot of uncertainty, just a lot of questions around, well, how do I do this? And I realized that there were four areas that we needed to focus on first before we even got to the marketing and messaging piece. And once we had those four pieces really locked in, all of a sudden marketing became easier because you knew what it was you were talking about and why you were sharing it. And it just allowed the whole process to flow. So it really was almost reverse engineering how we wanted to create the system by starting with these four key elements. Good. So we're going to dive into each one of those. We're going to talk about what they are. And then we're going to do a deep dive into one in particular that Lee and I really felt was sort of the heart. So with that, where do we want to start with the pillars? Let's, I'll just do kind of an overview of all four of them. Mm -hmm. uh, And then, then we'll dive into the one that I think you and I love maybe the most out of all four. And that would be the first one, which is identity. So the very first thing we need to consider is who we are as not just a coach, but as a human being. What do we stand for? What do we value? What do we want to be known for? Also, what do we bring to the table? What are our natural gifts and strengths and talents that make us so well-suited to be a coach? So before we're even looking outside ourselves, we want to make sure we take time to really go within and explore our own identity and how that will serve us as a coach and as a business owner. So that's pillar number one that I think we're going to dive into in a bit. We are. Okay. So identity, so many important things that we're going to look at more closely. That's the first pillar. And then the second pillar of audience. Tell me about audience. Yes. Audience is pillar number two. So once we're really clear on who we are and why we want to coach, then we want to get clear on, well, who do I most want to serve? And I find it's helpful to think about audience in three ways. The first is demographics. And this is where most people start. Age, gender, professional status, all of those things that maybe we would find on a census data form, that's demographics. And I think it's it's a helpful place to start because this is where we start narrowing our scope. It's also an easy way for people to kind of identify themselves as someone who might be a good fit for you. But I see a lot of coaches starting with demographics and then stopping. And I would encourage people to go a little deeper into the two other ways we can define audience. That would be psychographic. So really looking at the client's internal landscape, all of that work we did in the identity pillar, we want to consider that for our clients as well. What makes them tick? What do they desire? What motivates them? What's important to them? So that's the psychographic component. And then the final component I think of as the process perspective or where they are in their personal journey. What have they already experienced or accomplished? Where are they today? How has their past led them to this moment? What have they yet to accomplish? So really understanding where someone is in their personal timeline can tell us a lot about how they fit with us and the kind of coaching work we might do. So good. So it beyond, I love that, you know, it's like, yeah, demographics is a piece of data. And yet, if you're really looking at what kinds of clients tend to gravitate towards the work that I do, tend to get the best results. 
all those those other two components that you're talking about can help lead into a fuller, clearer picture of that. That's exactly right. right. So we've got identity, which we will circle back around to. We've got audience. Number three, tell me about number three. Yes. Pillar number three is what I call approach. And this is where we're taking a real high level, 30,000 foot view of your approach to coaching. So what is it like to work with you as a coach? Are there certain theoretical frameworks or models that you use in your coaching? Are there evidence-based practices or, or strategies or tools that you like to use? What frameworks have you developed that you use to work with your clients? So we're really thinking about the holistic approach to our work. And this is helpful because we take what we know about ourselves from that identity piece. We take what we know about our clients from that audience piece. We bring them together and then we ask, all right, so how do we bring these two people together? How do we bring coach and client together? What does that process look like? What creates the magic in the coaching relationship? And that's what we explore when we're looking at the approach pillar. I love that in that I would encourage all of you to be thinking about what does knowing your approach do for your confidence, your competence, and the way that you engage? Not because you're going to say to a client, here's, you know, like if you break your arm, you don't want the doctor to tell you exactly how they're going to set your arm and fix it. You want the result of that. So it, I think knowing your approach is going to help you be able to talk about your results, which you're probably going to roll into number four as well. But I think the barrier that I sometimes when I hear coaches talk about what they do, they're talking about the process. And I don't know that that's very magnetic. So you want to know your approach. You want to know what you're bringing forward to inform the conversation that you have about your results and those kinds of things. But I don't think Lee's talking about this in such a way so that you can say, you know, get all caught in the minutia of what you do and sort of, you know, engage in that in your discovery calls. What are your thoughts about that, Lee? No, I think you're right. I I see this too, where people get a little hyper-focused on here's exactly what we do and here's exactly what you'll get, which I'll talk about that in pillar four for sure. What we're really doing with approach is painting a picture for our clients of what it's like to work with us Mm -hmm. through the coaching process and then also what will be possible for them after the coaching process and how our approach allows that to happen. I find that clients in general feel more comfortable and more confident when they know that there's some sort of structure or framework that's guiding our work. They don't need to know all the ins and outs. They don't need to know the details. But when you say, oh yes, no, I'm a coach and this is my philosophy. This is how I work with my clients. All of a sudden, the client feels like, oh, this person knows what they're doing. They've got a system. Yep. They've got a system. I know what I can expect. There is safety in having some of that structure. There's freedom in having that structure. But we can't assume that our clients know what coaching is, what it's a new, it's an unknown. I mean, mm-hmm. I know Lee that, you know, when people would come to see you for therapy, it's a bit of a scary thing. It's like, what's going to happen? What's this going to be like? Well, it's similar with coaching. We want to be able to create a setting, a structure that they know that they're going to set it step into. I think that some of the very first questions clients will ask me in a discovery is, well, how often are we going to meet? And how long are we going to meet? And obviously, we've already kind of been in a place of just 
connecting and having the awareness call part of that call. But gosh, people want to know what what am I going to expect? Set the stage for me. We'll be back to the interview right after this. Hey there. I am thrilled with being able to bring you this great content every single week to help you build your skills, create the business of your dreams, and change organizations through coaching. And I also know that it can be really challenging to implement all the changes yourself, to operate in isolation, and try to do all the heavy lifting to keep your skills strong, to really create the kind of business that's going to help you thrive with the lifestyle you want and the business you want. That's how come I created the Star Coach community, because I know how hard it is to do everything alone. And that's probably why 82% of coaches who try to build a business on their own end up failing. The Star Coach member community supports you and gives you the kinds of answers you need to stop the spinning in your head and in your lack of action. So if you're ready to take action, if you want to be a part of a community that is going to help you move forward, then go to starcoachshow.com and explore the community. We'd love to have you join. Now, back to the show. So You're good. exactly right. And that blends beautifully into the fourth pillar, which is your offer. So this really is what is it that your client will receive when they are paying for your coaching services? And again, like we talked about before, the tendency is to focus on the deliverables, the logistics. So we're going to meet for this number of sessions for this long. And, and don't get me wrong, clients need and deserve to know that information. But even more to your point that you made earlier, we want want to focus in on the potential results. So we can talk about the benefit, which is, you know, you get this and you get this, you get access to me, you get this number of sessions. But really, clients aren't paying for your time, they're paying for the expected outcome. And so we want to be really clear in our offer, why we've structured it the way we have so that the client can achieve the result they want. So instead of just saying, oh, yes, I have a six month coaching package, it's, I find that for my clients to achieve this result, it took typically takes six months, which is why we work together for this period of time. And here's what you can expect during those six months. All of a sudden, we connect the pieces and parts of the offer to that larger approach and that larger vision. And again, clients are going to feel more confident in you. They're also going to feel more confident in themselves that they have what it takes to make this happen. So important. And already, you know, already right there, we could wrap up the show and be like, (laughs) oh my gosh, look what you've already got and what you can experience. And Lee and I, when we were talking about the show, really felt like doing a deeper dive into identity because it's sort of foundational to all of these. If we know what our identity is, if we're able to kind of be aware of our voice and the vulnerability it takes to step into that identity and offer that identity, it informs the other three pillars. So let's circle back around to the concept you said, who we are, what do we value? 
What do we know to be true? Those kinds of things. As we circle back around to that, Lee, what do we want to dive into? I want to start by acknowledging that this type of identity work serves so many different purposes. Of course, it's going to help clarify some aspects about yourself and how you want to show up in your business and how you want to show up for your clients. But the other piece is that this is often the very work we're supporting our clients in doing as well. And I'm a firm believer in not asking my clients to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. So this is really walking the talk. This is living in integrity with who we are. So this identity work is so important, yes, for outcome-related reasons, but also for process-related reasons too. And it allows us to more deeply connect with our clients, to empathize with them, and and to guide them through this deep work. So right out of the gate, I can imagine some questions like, well, what do you mean? Who are we? What are, I mean, how do I even begin that kind of work? How could I get clearer about these things? Yes. Well, I would say that an easy place to start, and I want to emphasize start because we're not going to end here, but a, a nice place to start is by examining the roles that we play. For better or for worse, a lot of times when we think about who we are, it's in the context of what we do. I mean, think about when you're at a dinner party and and you first meet someone, inevitably, one of the first questions is, what do you do? So these roles that we play uh, can tell us a lot about who we are, especially if they're roles that we've chosen, roles that we've adopted, or roles that maybe we've fallen into or even been assigned by others. So when I think about the roles that I play in my life, there's certainly the role of mother, of wife, of daughter, of sister. There's the role of coach, of business owner, of friend, all sorts of different roles that I play. And so that can tell you a bit about who I am. But once we go deeper, because again, we are more than just what we do. We're more than just what we produce. Then we start asking, well, why are these roles important to me? Why do I play these parts? And that's where we start getting closer into what matters most to me and what my core values are, because my roles ideally are an expression of what really matters most. And I think it can also show us alignment, right? Like, wow, I'm spending a lot of time in this role. And now that I've examined it, is that really where I want my time to be? So I think sometimes we fly based upon demands around us versus taking the time to think, what really, what do I value? And what, so if I'm spending a ton of time in, I don't know, in role of neighbor, and is that really where my, you know, is being neighbor pulling away from being parent? Or I don't know, I'm just completely making this up. But the concept of where is my time going? Is it going to what I'm being what's being demanded of me versus me being intentional about that choice. Yes. And I find too that when clients are experiencing that sense of dissatisfaction or there's something missing, there's something not quite right, it's often because the roles they're playing or the way they're spending their time is not fully aligned with their core values. Or it's that they're they may experience a values clash where they mm-hmm. we all hold multiple values and there will be times when those two values clash with each other. A classic one that I experience is my value around family and my value around ambition and showing up and really making a splash in my business. Well, there are times where maybe I'll have a podcast interview or a client call and then, oops, now my son has a basketball game at the same time. 
And I've got a choice to make about which value takes precedence in that moment. And so sometimes it's not a matter of being out of alignment with a value, but it might be a matter of are we aligned with all of our values and are we happy with the level at which we're able to express them? I love that. So what else, when we think about, one of the things that's kind of coming to me is that I've had some shows talking about our methodology. How are we sort of bringing our coaching forward, which really kind of goes with your approach and maybe even offer. But I think that that's so aligned. Our methodology is aligned with who we are, what we believe to be true. So what are some things that you help your clients do to get clear about what do they believe to be true about their audience or about, you know, the way that their values align with who their audience is? So now we're stepping into some of the other pillars, but the based upon this pillar of identity. Yes. I find that we tend to attract clients that have some level of shared values. So they may not be identical, and certainly the way we express our values are going to be different person to person. But ideally, when we're clear on our core values, that's who we're attracting as clients. So then starting to think about, okay, how is this particular client expressing or not expressing uh, what matters most to them in their lives? What's the tension that may be happening for them there? And then how can I meet them where they're at and, and bring in those elements of my approach in order to help them kind of clarify what matters most and really examine the extent to which they're living it out. Um, There's an activity that I will often do with my clients, and it's my take on something called the Valued Living Questionnaire or the VLQ. So this is a great way to help your clients not just identify what their values are, but really see how they're living them out. So I might ask my client to select their top five values. And some of my clients will know that right off the bat, Others, this might be kind of a new thing. So there's no shame in having a list of values to have them choose from. Sometimes I'll have them choose their top 10 and then narrow it down to their Mm -hmm. top five just to get a manageable number. And so first, I'll ask them to rate each value on its level of importance. And on a scale of one to 10, we're typically seeing nines and tens. These are the values that they're really centering their life around. So that's step one. But then step two, I ask them to score themselves on a scale of one to 10 in terms of how consistently they're living this value out, whether in their business, their relationship, their life. And that's when we start to see lower numbers, fours, fives, sixes, sometimes even lower. So an example from a recent client was she is just this spitfire and she ranked uh, adventure as being a core value for her. She wanted to find adventure in just about everything and anything she did. Um, whether it was travel or just new opportunities. But when I asked her to think about in the last 90 days, how that value of adventure has translated into her day-to-day actions, she ranked herself at a three. She felt that she had gotten stuck and was just kind of doing things almost like rote. And so there was this discrepancy between her stated importance of that value and the way that she was living it. And so once we identified that gap, Then it became about, all right, so if adventure is important to you, and if you don't feel like you're able to really express that, you know, you're currently at a like a four out of 10, what would it look like if it were a five out of 10? And then we can start looking at behaviors that maybe she could change, just small tweaks at first, small modifications Mm -hmm. to bring her into greater alignment with that value. 
And so that's how the identity piece can merge with approaches and tools so that it's like, okay, I, I really understand now how this influences like on a very granular, granular level. I love that. And the other thing I would add to that just as an additional maybe technique to use is helping people ground into, so you're at a three, you're doing some things already at a three to get you in alignment. So sometimes when somebody feels like, I'm at a three versus a 10. If we can get them to begin to think, what are you already doing? What is it that you're doing right now at a three that you could add to, do more of, or something that you need to stop doing that's keeping Mm -hmm. you at that three that might move you to a four or a five? Then it's instead of focusing on that seven point deficit, we're looking at what am I already doing? Because gosh, unless we're at a negative something, we're already doing something and helping our clients tap into what are you already doing and ourselves. If we're not in alignment with living out those values, what are we already doing that can at least give us a baseline and begin to get us to move up? So, you know, that concept of tapping into the strengths that are there and then adding subtracting or or just emphasizing more of can really shift mindset away from deficit. I love that. Yes, that's that's so true. And I, I think that's one thing as coaches that we do really well is championing our clients, really celebrating the small victories and reflecting back what they do have or what they have already accomplished. So many of my clients are high achievers who are constantly like, moving the goalposts in terms of their accomplishments and not really owning and celebrating what they are able to do. And so I love that you're looking at that three, not as a problem, but okay, so you are doing something to get you to a three. What's next? How can we build on that? That, That's such a lovely strengths-based approach to it. And that concept of small steps will help us move forward. So rather than, okay, you're already a three. So what are you going to do to be at a 10 tomorrow? No, it's like, let's let's look at the four. Let's look at what's within reach and and begin to get that momentum moving up. All based upon what do we know to be true about ourselves? What do we value? And so taking it back into that identity piece. Lee, such good information already. Anything that we've sort of left on the table about this concept of identity to help us tap into the bigger picture that we're operating under right now in as a coach, here's some things that I need to focus on so that I can step into the place of bringing my impact forward. I think the one last thing I would share around that is a reminder that identity is fluid. As human beings, we're designed to grow and evolve and change. And so over time, we may see some shifts occur in how we define our own identity. Sometimes that may be full on values changing over time. I find though often values tend to stay pretty static, but it's the way we express them that tends to change. So when I think about my value of service, the way I lived that out when I was a childless 20 something is very different than how I live it out today in my 40s as a wife and a mother. Uh, The way I lived it out as a social worker and therapist is different than how I live it out as a coach. So it's not so much that the value itself has changed, but the way that I'm taking action on it, the way I'm living out service in my life, that changes over time. So I guess I just want people to think about it being a process, being fluid, 
And it's okay if things shift and change. That's by design. Oh, so and so that could actually influence each one of your pillars. You might choose an audience at one stage of your life that shifts into a different audience as you are growing and learning and mm-hmm. and expanding. So as a therapist, I started working with children and families, shifted into adults and families and marriage counseling shifted into executive coaching. I mean, it's like throughout, and I'm significantly older than Leap, and I've had more time to kind of shift and do, but that same concept. So my audience has shifted, my approach has shifted, and yet it's all been under, to your point, the concept of bringing service forward, helping to empower people to make positive changes in their lives in under different umbrellas. So as I shared that, what was coming up for you? Because I saw your eyes light up a few times. Well, I think it's just such a a compassionate and lovely way of looking at human behavior and to acknowledge the fact that it is okay if we change and it's okay if we change our minds. I was smiling to myself because when I first started my business back in 2015, 2016, I did not go through this four pillar approach. I went straight into got to make money, got to bring revenue in, got to make this work. And so I was saying yes to just about anyone who would say yes to me. And as a result, I wound up creating a business that did okay, but that I didn't really feel like myself in. In fact, when I think about that time, I often felt like I was a ghost in my own business. And it was because I did not anchor into my values and what mattered most to me. I allowed my fear and I allowed scarcity to run the show and to to be behind my decisions. So I think, again, in that case, it makes sense then why about 18 months in, I got greater clarity around who I wanted to serve and how I wanted to show up in my business. So things did change. My branding changed, my audience changed. And that is not a sign of failure. It is a sign of evolution. And so I think just to kind of ground down into that. I cannot like agree more in in as much as even if we realize in the rearview mirror, oh my gosh, I've been in a place of fear or scarcity or oh my gosh, I've been, I have like five people on my client load that give me a stomach ache that that I, you know, that well, what did you learn from that? And how can you continue to grow and evolve? Because yeah. You know, maybe we're not the most evolved at all times with some of the decisions that we make, some of the things that we're doing. Uh, and yet there's always learning and growth in that. And Lee's four pillars can really help you ground into that. Lee, as we are getting close to the end of our time together, what, if anything, do you want to add before I ask how people can connect with you as we move forward? I would say that the beautiful thing about these four pillars is that they are not meant to be one and done. This is something that we want to explore ideally when we're starting our businesses. But as we are creating new offers, as we are expanding our businesses, we can always come back and review these four pillars. I like to do a values check-in at least annually, just to make sure that I'm on the right track. But there's no right or wrong period of time where you can do this work. It's always there waiting for you. 
So, so important and so good. So Lee, if people want to know more about you and the work that you do, we will have links for that in the show notes, but anything you want to kind of say verbally about the best way to connect with you. Okay. Sorry. I think we had a little bit of a hiccup. Yeah, we had a hiccup. There was a little bit of a a disconnect and that's okay. So Lee, how can people connect with you if they want to know more about you and the work that you do? Yes, I would love to continue this conversation with anyone who is inspired to talk about values, work, meaning, mindset, and mindfulness. Uh, The best way to find me is at my website, coachwithclarity.com. And I'm also at Coach With Clarity pretty much on all of the socials. So Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you can find me there as well. And we will have those links in the show notes for those of you who want to follow up with Lee. Lee, such a joy to spend time with you. Thank you for coming on to the Star Coach Show. Thank you so much for having me. If you'd like to know more about Lee and the work she does, go to starcoachshow.com slash 327, starcoachshow.com slash 327, and connect with Lee through the links there. My conversation with Lee does continue in the Star Coach community. And if you'd like to explore that on that same page at starcoachshow.com slash 327, click on the link to explore the community. Now, next week, I'm introducing you to Dr. Don Booz. We're going to talk about how your brain might be lying to you. If you're enjoying the show, Please share it with anyone who you believe could gain value because that's why I do it. I want people to be able to learn and grow through the content we bring forward. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your life and coaching success. We'll see you next week.